Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the 95 Killers Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today's guest is a creative director, father, producer, CEO, and lead designer of the brand Hard and Rough Athletic Apparel. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce my good friend, Nazim Exact, to the show. Welcome to the show, my brother. How you doing? Yo, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. So where's your family from? Tell me a little about your brothers, sisters. We from Honduras. I come from a family of six. It's five brothers, one sister. All of us is here now. Yeah. Basically, my sister and my brother was, ra- was born here, and we were um, born in Honduras, four of us. Um, my mother and my dad used to live here years ago, then they decided to go back home. And, um, and then we were born over there. My parents separated, my mother ended up coming back home to her family. Her side of the family was living in the States. So this is where we are. And this is where we've been living for the past uh, 30 plus years. How old were you when you moved back to New York? I was about maybe six years old. So pretty much I'm more Americanized than anything else. But I, I never try to lose the culture the language or whatever from my native nation, country. And tell me a little bit, how is that, like, you know, you being six years old, you're back here. um, Was your father part of your life or did he he reach out? Did you have a relationship with him at all? To be honest, no. Once we came here together, actually, with my dad, you know, so, um, but I didn't know what was going on between my mother and my dad. You know, I was a child at the time. And all I know is maybe after five years of him living with us, he went back home, never came back. I basically grew up without a dad, you know. Um, I had a very little experience of having a father home. I mean, I could say that I, from what I could remember, I knew who, who he was. But once, you know, you, be, you become a, a teenager, I think is when you really start realizing who, who you even are and having to, troubles to becoming from a boy to a man he wasn't around for that wasn't around and it's funny because i see online the relationship that you have with your son like how old is your son now my son is three years old and i see you know through you know man through instagram and and what you're doing as an entrepreneur you you bring your son into that it does that have to do anything with how you were raised part of it does and part of it it doesn't the part of that it does is because back home, my parents, we always, I come from an entrepreneur background. My mother and my dad own businesses back home. So I do remember going out as a child to the market. We had a cafeteria back then in an electronic a repair shop in a school that my father used to teach, like almost like a TCI, like teaching people how to repair um, equipment and stuff like that so that that's what i remember as a child always um my parents creating businesses and making their own rules and their own product i guess part of that is still 
live in me. And um, um, and I remember as a child going, looking for parts, doing little things. They used to drag me, you know, both my mom and my dad to 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 the bis- different businesses and show, not necessarily show me, but I, I was observing. Now that I have a son, I guess I want to be that and more. I want to be that dad that I never had. Describe the experience of like your father leaving and then also like why you are the way you are with your son and what you want him to learn from you. When my father left us, it was hard. At the time I was, I was in that age where, and where I still, I still was a boy basically, but it was between 12 and 13 years old. My personality strong, you know, um, always been a leader, always been a person fearless. And when my father left, it turned me from a boy to a man because I saw my mother struggle with the rest of my brothers and stuff like that. And I had no choice but to turn into the streets. And, um, and that wasn't, as we know, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not the right way to go. But it's, it's my situation was different because it wasn't by choice. It was like, it's either that or your family will suffer. You know, having a sister having my mom and, and five or four little brothers, you know, I, even though I'm not the oldest, I always felt like I was. So you said that, um, you know, at, when your dad left and, you know, you, you felt at a certain age as a teenager, you, you had to go to the street life. Like how old were you and, and how did you get introduced into the, the street life? Coming from the project, living back then in the environment where drugs and guns was the way of most young people living in the ghetto. When my father left, you know, who was going to hire 12 years old? You have to be even, I think, 14 in order to get a summer job or something like that. My mother, I used to see her break down at night, looking at bills, crying. And I'm like, damn, I, I need to help. I got introduced. It was one of my cousins that was pretty strong in the streets. And I used to deliver little packages for him here and there. I had an idea as a kid, I was pretty clever and smart. I had an idea what was what was in the packages, but you know, in the end of the day, it was my, my business, just run a package here and there and I'll get money for it. You start like becoming one of them. You start seeing how they move. You start seeing how they, where they go. And in no time I was full blown into the business. A lot has changed me, you know, but I always, the good thing about, about me that I feel that never changed was how the, um, my character, the integrity that I've been taught at home. So I never brought it home. I never disrespected my mother. She still was the boss. I never came in there bossing her around or, or telling her what to do. I was just a help. So I will bring in money. And then she probably thought that I was just working packing bags or whatever it is but in the <laughs> right. end of the day you know it was it was different and I, and I never used to give her the money in big increments like if I would make five or five hundred a thousand dollars a day I'll give her 200 at a time every other day until she have the money that she needs to do whatever it needed to do for my siblings right and did any of your other siblings get involved into that life no just me I mean I, I would have never allowed them to 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 um, get involved, I, I kept them very sheltered. I even my mother. I used to, I never forget. Like when we used to walk the streets, I, I always just tell my mother, "Mom, walk a block either in front of me or a block behind me, but never next to me." And she, 
she I used to tell her it's dangerous out here. You don't you don't want to be you know walking all together. We can't be all together as a family. And um, she um, <laughs> never forget one time going and um, we was walking in Harlem, 125th Street, and um, maybe I was about 15, 16 years old the time and she was she saw a whole bunch of people just salute me you know a lot of young guys and older guys so when we got home she was like you know son I'm very proud of you you know because you get a lot of respect in the streets you know <laughs> you know and I'm like you know you you know and I'm like yeah mom you know <laughs> she didn't understand what that meant you know right but she was watching and she was like you know it seems like a lot of people respect you and love you you know but she don't understand. And then later on in life, I told her what I did. You know, even my dad, that I do have a communication with him now, I, I told him to. And um, she wasn't too happy about it, but it is what it is. You know, I did change. How did you get out of that world? I was in it for about from 13 all the way down to maybe 25, I would say the last you know, uh, different things, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I would say about from 13, oh, 13 to 25. To 25. What made you decide to get out of that world? The money was good? Um, where before it was a couple of grams and then it was, you know, pounds and then it was like moving real big numbers. And... Um, and then with that come a lot of responsibility, you know, guns are involved, beef is involved, seeing some of my guys go down. Um, I always was clever. I always moved differently, very quiet, very humble, low key. But, um, you know, in my gut, I got into a one situation that, that it was, it, it got really crazy. You know, and um, they were looking for me, and and it was one of those things that either we handle the situation now, or it's gonna escalate to something different. So um, I decided to just kind of retire at that at that moment, and I said because uh, you know certain people that was involved was getting jammed up, and I, I wasn't trying to you know I knew better. I knew that I had a better way to do things. And at that point, you become greedy, you know, because it, it was more for clout. You know, it comes to a point in the game when you have money. Now you're there for the respect. You're there because your name ring bells. You're there because you want to prove to this person and that person that, you know, when they hear you or when they see you come through, they got to respect that. So it wasn't no longer for the money. It was more for the clout, you know, and I understood that, I'm glad that I that I was able to look at it from that perspective and shift my 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 talents elsewhere. You know, I have noticed about my personality all along is that um, all my friends always been older than me. Mm -hmm. All of them. You know, I, I don't have friends my age. Most of my friends are in a late 50s, 57, right. 60 year old men. Mm -hmm. And with that, and I think part of that was because I guess part of me was looking for that father figure but at the same time these people became my friend and then they were my mentors mm -hmm. maybe not the best mentors per se but they 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 kept me sharp and so the young guy in the street could never outsmart me because i was i was having dinner with these guys i always will come in and ask them questions that pertaining to certain things 
and they'll tell me how to move, you know? And a lot of it, it just became like second nature to me because I, I used to think like they think, you know? So I've always been more mature than, than my peers, you know? So. Cool. And transition out of that. So now that you were out of the lifestyle, did you put money away? And how did you start your what you're doing now, which is your fashion? Because you've been doing fashion for about how many years doing fashion? Now, I would say about 20, 25, 25 years, maybe. So okay. I started. So the fashion came about right after. Well, excuse me. I was already. um when I was in, in junior high school, I, I actually did the senior t-shirts for school. And I used to, in the summertime, I used to do personalized vests for some of the, the street drug dealers with rhinestones and stuff like that. There was like a side hustle, you know, um, always doing a little side hustle. But I never thought that I was going to actually take fashion design. I always knew what was dope back then. So let me start taking this serious. But when I did, I actually was helping other brands. So I did freelance for a few, I did freelance for a few brands that were out before, like Pure Players. I did something for Diesel. But I was a freelancer and I was still young. I didn't really understand the game. So they used to pay me short paper, basically, and mm. take great ideas. Right, you know, um, but it was it was the first confirmation for me to know that whatever I was thinking will sell. So whatever I used to design, I used to see in their stores, and people used to literally connect with the design and and love. In the process of me creating stuff for other brands, I also had some known brands that stole some ideas from me as well. That kind of pissed me off. I didn't know how to handle those type of. Um, situations it was just like okay there's a loss i never forget i went to the magic show in vegas one year well i know the magic show but tell my listeners what the magic show is exactly so the magic show is a it's a convention a fashion convention where all designers and amateur designers go to to kind of meet other connections basically manufacturers and and uh seller it's a place to to go to when you want to meet or get in the game you know what i'm saying so i went there that year because i was supposedly work i don't want to bring up some brands because right now i don't want no, to don't bring to, up the brands but okay. but but i was supposedly was working for uh, a specific brand but they didn't know i was going there and they had some designs of mine. So when I went there, <laughs> shit was on display. <laughs> you know, without my consent, they never paid me for it. And um, I looked for the dude that um, is very famous right now, actually. Very, very famous. And um, he was, he saw me, it was like he saw a ghost. He disappeared for the, for, I had never seen him again. And um, him and his girl. I went to another brother that he had a line. I don't remember the line. I would I would have mentioned him because he's the one that actually told me, brother, you you have a lot of talent and I will hire you. But why why don't you start your own line instead? With all of this, you you could start your own line. I was like, you know, no, I never thought of it like that. I came home in the plane. I started you know playing around with my signature. And I started, you know, as soon as I got back to New York, I think I start, I started doing my first batch of shirts and stuff like that. And after that, it was no turning back. 
You know? I've seen what you've done and it's, it's very, very impressive and I'm glad you went that way. Yeah, I, I think that um, for, for most entrepreneurs, is, is um, we, we don't become that until you get hit a couple of times. Like, uh, you know, it's almost like getting fired from a job and being like stuck. A lot of times you think that you're having a job is secure until that day that you get fired for no reason, right? And yeah. you're like, oh shit, I gotta do something, right? And then you start doing something and then that something just blow up. And you're like, damn, I, if I knew this thing was gonna blow up, I would've did it a long time ago. I don't know if, it, if it's lack of belief or just the fact that we've been instilled for so many years to work for someone else. I think for me, because I had that detachment without with not having my dad around. If I believe if he would have been around and he would have said, hey, son, let's do this. I got your back. Let me put the money up. Or say, you know what? Why? To go work for somebody else. Uh, you see me with a job? No, you know, everything is all about reference point. You know, who you have in your circle that done it before. And sometimes all you need is that spark to light up the fire. I'm not... Thinking about losses. I'm a risk taker. That's what the entrepreneur is all about. It's be, taking risks and being okay if you lose. You know, you got to learn something from that loss. So it's never, to me, it's never a loss. It's just learning, you know. So the new brand that you have now, um, tell us a little bit about that. How was that one born? Um, and, uh, and where are you at with that now, that process? So the new brand is Hard and Rough um, Pro Athletic Gear. That came about, again, from a bad situation, basically. I had a car accident. I was paralyzed for like a year and a half. The doctors was telling me that I wasn't going to walk. And if I do walk, I was going to walk funny. I'm not sure at the time what was the message because I wasn't 100% coherent when, when they told me what was going to be the outcome of my condition. What I did remember is they telling me that it, I, I, I wasn't going to be able to return back to the gym and I have to be very careful because I could be, if I do something wrong, I could be permanently paralyzed. At the time, I was partially paralyzed. My whole right side was done, you know. Couldn't move it. Couldn't move it. Nerves, damaged nerves, you know. So, and I was, it was a head trauma. So, it was a head injury. I, I lost my memory. I, um, I was stuttering a lot. Even now, I believe I do have a little bit, but I, I've been working on my speech and everything like that. Because before it was worse, you know, like if you'd do, done this interview <laughs> about five years ago, it would have been, it would have been messed up. But now I, I, I self-therapy, you know, just helping myself become better, do better. My brand, Hard and Rough, is basically the experience of uh, a hard and rough journey to recovery. The logo represents, um, it's, it's an uh, icon of a, of, a, of a guy flexing his biceps you know, a victory logo. And it's, I believe that all of us have a hard and rough um, story and eventually the goal is to become victorious at it. So that's where my logo come from. So far, um, basically I created a, a, a belt that support your spine in line and keep your spine aligned. So it's all basically orthopedic, you know, multifunctional, and it's a belt also that's appealing to the to the eye, you know, something that in bodybuilding 
they have not touched that that um area that area yeah they haven't touched that area i think that um bodybuilding always been seen as a hardcore type of of sport you know mm-hmm. where you have to wear dirty clothes and dirty sneakers and and, and sweat hats and sweat hats and stuff <laughs> like that but now a lot of gyms are clean beautiful and people tend the new generation i say tend to actually wear new clothes to gym, <laughs> you know so right. you cannot have a dirty belt bro like you know you can't have a raggedy belt sweaty belt you know so my belts are more uh aesthetically uh appealing right i like the way your belts look but just to touch a little bit more on the accident so how did you work your way up from being halfway paralyzed to getting back your function functionality so when that happened i left the hospital they wanted me to go to therapy and you know do the whole thing um i did go to therapy i think for about six months it wasn't doing much you know so i became very depressed Stood home for about a year and a half before I actually came out to the um, to the public. I, I got hooked on drugs on, on on the morphine and the volumes and the Percocet. It was a very dark moment for me because I, I wanted to kill myself. So at the time, you know, I lost it all. I, I was a person that had always worked hard and had always money and and great credit and real estate at the time. I had about three houses. And when that accident happened, everything was gone, basically. Not right away, but, you know, when right. you can't go to work. And you, I, I continued to pay my bills for, for about 10 months. But it was money that I had in savings, probably like 200000 in and in, 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 in within... Eight months, nine months, man, it was gone, you know. Um, I was hoping that I'd recover, but it never happened. I just kept going deeper and deeper into the hole. Depression kicked in. I lost my, physically, I went from 240, I think at the time, I was in great shape, lean, you know, about 10% body fat probably, to 170, you know, and I haven't been 170 since <laughs> right. I was in junior high school, bro. You already right, know. right, right, right. So um, wow. when I came out, I never forget. Uh, um, I had a, a person that that I knew saw me in the street, and he said, "Dude, you look like you got AIDS." And um, I never forget. You know that that broke me. You know because I I I, I was already there where I didn't want to live anymore. Where I was taking drugs. I was very depressed physically. My face was disfigured for about a good year. You know, I was two black eyes, broken nose, and just just swollen. You know, and yeah. so when he saw me, I was looking crazy. You know, right. but um, I think that that's the reason why. Also, now I'm very cautious on how I speak to people when I see them down. When I when I when I see somebody looking stressed and depressed, I've never been in a, a, a I believe a hope verbally abusive when someone is doing bad or right. whatever. I never, I don't, I hope not. And if I ever been that way, I want to apologize right now in public. Yeah. And the same no thing idea. with these doctors, I, I, I have a, a love and hate relationship with doctors because a lot of them don't know Jack, you know, and, and I would say that I'm publicly saying it because they, all they know is, how to prescribe drugs to people 
They made me a junkie. That's all they did. They didn't help me in nothing. No encouragement emotionally. Everything was take this drug, don't worry about it. Take this drug, don't worry. They don't have that kind of conversation. They see what you got, what you're going through. They prescribe drugs and they send you home. So for me, I, I would I would not listen to them. And I'm glad that um, I was just built differently and I was able to go home and just take care of myself. You know, I talk to my friends who have children and sometimes they make their children the reason why they can't do things anymore. And you told me the exact opposite. I saw your son with the victory logo. He was, he mm -hmm. was posing. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was like, yo, can I post that picture? Because for me, it's, it hit a nerve directly in the heart of every entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, people that tell you, oh, this is going to slow you down. Um, this is going to slow you down. Um, and you just kind of embraced it. And I just wanted to just like hear more about that because it really, it really touched me seriously. You know, you know uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it did. When I post pictures of my son, I, you know, I got so many beautiful pictures with him. It's just ridiculous. But um, I do post pictures to, to show my love for him, you know. Uh, it's the best thing that happened to me. All I could say, I'm going to speak for myself, he never been an obstacle, you know. In fact, he'd been more of that spark to keep me going, to keep me moving, to keep me focused. And I get him involved because I want him to see how his dad earned a living. Right now, he don't have, a, he don't, he, he, he has, I can't say he don't have an idea because he called himself a designer. <laughs> he, he said, I'm a designer. My name is Nazim Zak, and I'm a designer, dad. We're going to make some masks. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. He's really involved. Um, even and how old is he? He's three years old. He's three years old. <laughs> he, he wants the color. He knows the color of the thread. He, he, he understands the process. So my whole purpose of bringing him in is I want him to, you know, self-consciously, we all have a bank, right? And where we keep a lot of the things that we learn, whether are good or bad, they self-consciously is there. He's not going to understand this until he really start, like, really doing it. Like, maybe when he's 14, 15 years old, probably sooner. This dude is, <laughs> he's on 1,000. He'd be making a mess in the, in the shop. But I let him do it because I want him to understand. The beauty of what I do is that I could walk in my, into, my, into my studio and you're going to see leathers hanging up, like the skin, right? So you're going to see different colors, and then you're going to see glue and you're going to see uh, threads and you're going to see, and I make a product in there. So he see the whole step from grabbing the, the, the skin of leather to, to cutting it, to put in the mold. And, and he see the whole process, screening the, the name on it, uh, hand paint. He see the everything. So in his head, he already know the process, but he it's almost like, he registering the process. And um, when he get older, he's going to understand what he was doing. It built confidence because I, I believe that if you could show your kid that whatever you're thinking or whatever you're designing and whatever is in your head, and you could bring it to life, a product. It's almost like that hat that you're wearing. He's seen me do hats in there too from fabrics and stuff like that. And then it's a hat. Mm -hmm. You understand? That's that's amazing. I never had that experience. Right. Imagine if we would have had that experience. It's, a, it's magic to an adult. So I can imagine Ma to a kid. To a kid, you know, that he wear the mask and he say, yeah, 
my label's here, Nazim Asad. <laughs> or, or he'll know Hard and Rough. When he, he knows both labels. He know the, the, the fashion label and he know the, the fitness brand. And it's, and it's crazy because he, he don't really, like I hear him speak and maybe I'm underestimating the intelligence that he has because it's like he knows, he say it. So who am I to say he don't know, right? So I believe he knows. And, um, and it's amazing to me to, to show him that anything he want to do or he want to create, it could come to life. And that's the message. I'm not pushing for him to be a designer. It will be beautiful if he, if he pick up after me. But whatever he want to do, I want him to understand that everything has a process, right? And you got to have the idea. And then you got to get to work. And then you execute. And then, boom, the product is here. He got that. You know, and that's where I'm at right now with him. I love it. Any parent that tells you that a kid is going to stop them, a lot of it, you listen, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and throw shade on people because I think a lot of people, um, have, that's their reference point, you know? They came from that parent that was like, get out of here. Oh, you're going away. Oh, get out. Oh, shut up. Oh, be quiet. Oh, you know, they don't get them involved, so they don't know how to. What I don't want to do is spoil my kid. You know, I want him to understand what it is to earn a dollar. You know, what I'm doing right now, maybe in another couple of years, I probably won't be doing that. I'll probably just be delegating, you know, and stuff. I probably won't be hands on. But that doesn't mean that he's all he's seeing is his father telling people what to do. I want him to understand that I come from the bottom and we we together, you know, are climbing, you know, the ladder, you know, and um, I'm always want to be able to teach him how to earn his own money, you know, given even now I make him do stuff before he get anything, you know, um, he's I'm not going to say that he's not spoiled because I think that that's something that all parents um, want to do to their kid is give them whatever they they never had, basically. But what I do with my son, I make him earn it. Some people are very structured and they have to have a business plan and this, that. You know how many corporations um, have closed because they came in there, okay, we're going to sell chicken. Whoever did the homework didn't realize that in this area, most people are vegetarian. But you went and opened a chicken spot. Right. So you realize that it's not, chicken ain't selling. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do? You already set up the whole business. You got the kitchen. You know what most corporate businesses do? They close. Right. Instead of saying, hey, let's come over to vegan menu. Yeah. And let's get some vegan chefs. <laughs> we already invested 200000 in this mm -hmm. property and, and kitchen and everything. Most of them failed. Why? Because they came in there with one plan. The plan was to sell chicken. It didn't work. They've been there paying rent for six, seven months a year, and now they're closing. That doesn't make no sense to mm -hmm. me. Renaz, I really appreciate you, my brother. I love everything you're doing. Thank you for coming out and sharing your knowledge with us. Man, you have a good one, man. Appreciate you, bro. Yo, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks once again for tuning into the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us on our website at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. Take care of yourself and your families and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace.